Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so by visiting us online at BethesdaChurch.tv. Now, let's jump into the message. to Bethesda Church Online. We are so thankful that you have joined us today. I do hope with all the craziness going on in our world that you and your family had a good week. Today is Palm Sunday, uh, which means that one week from today, we will be celebrating Easter Sunday. I am so excited uh, about our Easter services. I know that we cannot physically gather But I do believe we're going to experience the presence and power of God through our online broadcast next weekend. We're actually going to offer some additional services. So instead of the 9 o'clock and the 11 o'clock next Sunday for Easter, uh, we're going to add a few services. And so we'll uh, let you know um, what those times are. Uh, Hopefully we'll add a couple on that Saturday and and then several on Sunday uh, so that you can enjoy the presence of God on Easter. Well, I want to jump right in to today's message. Um, Again, the world is a little crazy right now. There's a lot going on, and I believe that a lot of people just want things to get back to normal, and that is understandable. We have schedules that are crazy, routines that have been broken up. Everything feels just a tad bit off, and we want to get back to normal. But I want to present you with a question this morning. Why go back to normal if normal isn't working? And here's what I mean by that. With our crazy schedules, with um, the fact that our, our nation is consumed with consumerism and greed and a lack of authentic relationships, um, maybe normal hasn't produced the outcome that we want. Maybe normal hasn't produced the outcome that we desire. So I want to ask you, what if in this season, God is using this time to strengthen some things in your life? What if God is using this crisis to strengthen your marriage? Maybe God is using this time to show parents that they need to teach their kids the Bible and not just rely on the church to handle that one Sunday or one day a week? What if this is an opportunity for you to get family devotions happening at your house again? See, I believe that this could be a time when the people of God begin to live out their faith boldly, to live it boldly. Normal is what we all want. But maybe things aren't going to go back to normal because normal isn't working. I don't mean that we're not going to go back to normal schedules and back to our jobs and back to school, but what if we're not going to go back to the same patterns, spiritually speaking? With all that being said, I want to talk to you for a few minutes out of the book of James, and I'm going to call this message, A Faith That Works When Life Doesn't. A Faith That Works When Life Doesn't. We're going to look at the first six verses of the book of James. We'll start James chapter 1, verse 1. James says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. This might be the most misunderstood introduction of any book in the entire Bible. James was the half-brother of Jesus. He grew up with Jesus. He probably slept in the same room as Jesus. He had meals with Jesus. And the interesting thing about James, the half-brother of Jesus, is that James was not a follower of Christ. James did not believe that Jesus, his half-brother, was the Son of God. He didn't believe him while uh, the earthly ministry of Jesus was going on. He was skeptic. And you could figure that, a younger brother not believing that his older brother is the Messiah. I mean, I have a younger brother, and I know what the response would be if I told him that I am the Son of God. He would have laughed and said, yeah, right, big brother. So I get that. But it begs the question, what made James become a believer? And I believe the answer is really simple. It's one thing that caused James to become a believer, and we're going to celebrate it next week. The reason James put his faith in his half-brother, Jesus, as the Son of God, is because of the resurrection. James became a believer because Jesus rose from the dead. We all know from the Scripture that when Jesus rose from the dead, that he appeared to men for about a 40-day period. And James was one of the witnesses that saw Jesus. It literally took his brother getting up from death, getting up from the grave for James to become a believer. Now, I say all that to say this. If anybody had a right to drop names, it would be James. He could have said, I'm James the guy who grew up with Jesus. I'm James, the half-brother of Jesus. He could have said, I'm James, the best, best of friends with Jesus. Yet James doesn't do any of that. He starts his book by saying, James, a servant of God. He doesn't pull rank. He doesn't promote his pedigree. But in verse 2, he starts dealing with the issue of God's purpose in your problems. We're going to read James chapter 1, verses 2 through 6 from the Phillips translation. It says, When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Realize that they come to test your faith and to produce in you the quality of endurance. But let the process go on until that endurance is fully developed and you will become a person of mature character and integrity with no weak spots. And so James, James sets this thing up by saying, when all kinds of trials crowd into your life, he said, do not resent them, but welcome them. I want you to welcome the problems in your life as friends. Um, James says, you have problems, be happy. You have problems, smile. You have problems, rejoice. 
And I know this is probably not the message anybody wants to hear. I mean, how in the world could James tell us that if we have problems, we are to welcome them, we are to smile, we are to rejoice, all of those things. We have COVID-19 going on, James. How can we rejoice with all of that happening? I believe James is trying to show us that the key to maintaining a positive attitude in the middle of a crisis is one word that, that he references here, and it's the word realize. James wants us to realize something. He wants us to see something that we, we wouldn't normally see. He said, when all kinds of trials crowd into your lives, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them. And he goes on to tell us that the problems actually produce in our lives. Right now, schools are closed. Businesses are closed. Restaurants are only operating with to-go orders. We know that churches like ours are having to rethink our methodology and the way we minister to people. And James says that our success in, in, in understanding and dealing with what's happening, he says it's determining, it's determined by our attitude and by what we're looking at. That it's not about the crisis itself, it's about our attitude about the crisis. And so he gives us four facts to remember about difficulties. Four facts. The first fact he gives us is problems are inevitable. Look at James 1-2. He says, when all kinds of trials crowd into your lives. He says, when. James does not say, when all these trials go. James says, when these, when these trials come. In other words, everyone faces problems. Everyone has, has trials that they have to deal with. This is not heaven where everything is perfect. This is earth where everything is broken. We all have difficulties. We can count on it. We can buy stock in it. And, and it's not something that James says by himself. We know that Jesus taught that in the world, you'll have trials, you'll have problems, you'll have tribulation. Um, and, and so the question is, why are we surprised when problems come? Peter tells us in his writings, don't be surprised when you go through fiery trials. Don't act like it's something new. Everybody goes through hard times. Life is difficult. No one's immune. No one's exempt. No one is insulated from problems. James tells us that problems are inevitable. Now, let me, let me phrase it to you like this. Problems are not like those elective classes you take. You know, you sign up for your main classes, but you also choose a couple of electives. Problems are not an elective course. You cannot opt out. Everybody has to deal with problems. And, and it's all about our attitude as they come. But no, number one, problems are inevitable. Number two, problems are variable. They're variable. He said, when all kinds, you may want to just highlight all kinds, all kinds of trials come into your lives. All kinds means that our problems are not the same. We, we, we don't get the same problems over and over. If we got the same problems over and over, 
we would probably eventually um, remove ourselves from that problem. We would eventually figure it out. So we, we don't get the same problems over and over. We get a bunch of different kinds of problems. And, and that all kinds phrase, when he says that you have all kinds of trials coming your way, in the Greek language, it literally means multicolored. Multicolored. In other words, there are a lot of different shades of stress in your life. And I think we would all agree with that. There's a lot of different shades of stress in your life. I mean, we have financial stress, relational stress, physical stress, time crunches and time stress, and, and we respond to all those different kinds of problems. We respond differently to them. They all have a different effect on us. And so James tells, tells us they're, they're of different colors. And so I, I think we have to understand not only are there all kinds, but there's different frequency to problems. There's a different intensity with problems. Um, everybody has problems. We're not exempt, and they are variable. The third thing that James tells us is that problems are unpredictable. Unpredictable. He says when all kinds of trials come into your lives, and he, he even uses the word in the Phillips translation as intruders, when, when these problems crowd into your lives. No problem ever, ever comes into your life when you need it, and no problem ever comes into your life when you want it. We, we, we have no idea when they're coming. We have no idea how long they're going to last. And problem, I don't know how it is for you, but for me, it seems like problems show up at the, the most inopportune times. Like, the worst time to have a problem is usually when it shows up. For some of you, maybe you were planning to launch a brand new business and you, you got dreams and you, you've got goals and you got a vision for it. And right when you're getting ready to launch out, uh, we have a pandemic and everybody has to stay home. Some of you, it could have been as simple as recently you were trying to get to a, a very important meeting that you were late for and you got a flat tire on your way. Could be that you got a new dress and you're on your way to an interview and then the baby spits up on the new dress. There's all kinds of problems. There's different levels of problems, but we need to know problems are unpredictable. We can seldom predict when they are coming and how long they're going to last. The fourth thing James teaches us here is that problems are purposeful. Problems are purposeful. He says, realize, in, in verse 3, realize that they come to produce in you. God has a purpose in everything. God has a purpose even in the bad things, that God has the ability to bring good things out of a bad situation. Now, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but a lot of the problems that you and I experience are problems that we cause ourselves. Now, we never like to admit that. Most of the time, if we have problems, we're looking for someone else to blame, a scapegoat for our, for our problems. But a lot of the time, we, we have problems because we don't do what God tells us to do. Sometimes we have problems because we don't eat right. We don't sleep enough. We, we don't prioritize. We, 
we um, allow negative emotions into our life, even though we know the, the effect that it will take on us. I found it very interesting that studies tell us that about 80% of the health problems in this country are caused by, by what they call chronic lifestyle choices. Chronic lifestyle choices. In other words, we just don't do the right thing. We don't do the healthy thing. Oftentimes, we choose the self-destructive thing. But James tells us in this scripture that problems are purposeful. In other words, problems show up in my life to produce something. That problems can be productive. Now, they are not automatically productive. It's all about how I respond to them. I can allow a problem to produce something good in my life or I can allow a problem to destroy my life. It's all in my approach. It's all about my response. And so I want us to ask this question. How does God use difficulties to produce purpose in my life? How does God do that? I believe there, there are three ways that James shows us. Number one, problems always test my faith. They always test my faith. In James 1 and 3, it says, realize they come to test your faith. Very simple. Your faith is like a, mus a muscle. A muscle must be strengthened if it's going to be uh, strong. We, we have to stretch it. we got to push muscles to the limit if we want them to grow. And, and a lot of times, we, we don't look at problems as a way to strengthen our faith. We just look at them as, man, why now? Why do I got to put up with this? But if we could refocus and understand that every time a problem shows up, it's an opportunity for my faith to get stronger, then we may approach our problems a little differently. Problems come to test your faith. The word for testing is a term in the Bible that was used for refining metals, all right, to refine metals. You take a precious metal like gold or silver, and you put them in a big pot, and you, you put uh, extreme heat and, and take them to high temperatures. And when you do that, what happens is, is that all the impurities are burned off, and you are left with pure silver or pure gold. See, God will use my problems. God will use your problems like a refiner's fire. They will come into our life, and everything that isn't important gets burned off. In this stressful season, I wonder what is being burned off. I wonder what impurities are coming to the top. Here's what I think is happening right now in this season. I think there is stuff that many of us thought that's really important. But in this season, we're realizing that we're just fine without it. See, this is a season where God is resetting and God is reordering our priorities. And, and things are changing and they're going to continue to change. And I, I want you to hear this. This is very simple, but I want you to hear it. People are like tea bags. People are like tea bags. You don't really know what's in them 
until you drop them in hot water. And then you can see what's on the inside. I don't know about you, but over the last couple of weeks, I've had a couple of those hot water days. Couple, have you ever had a hot water month? And what I mean by that, when we are dropped into pressure, when the heat is being turned up, listen to me, what's in us comes out of us. You never know what's in a person until you see a person under pressure. Some people handle it well, and some people fold. What comes out of us under pressure is only showing us what was in us all along. As we continue to deal with this pandemic over the next few days and weeks, what's going to come out of you? If you're filled with bitterness, you've probably already seen that rise to the top in this season. If you're filled with frustration, when you're under pressure, it's going to come out. If you're filled with negative emotions, a little bit of pressure, those negative emotions are going to flood out. Whatever is in us always comes out of us when we're under pressure. Now, I, I want to encourage you not to look at that as a negative. Because if God, look at it as the mercy of God. If God is allowing some things to come out of you that you don't like in this season, that is God's grace in your life so that you can deal with those impurities. We, we, sometimes we don't know how to deal with something until it comes to the surface. So James tells us very clearly that problems test my faith. Secondly, problems develop my endurance. He said in James 1 and 3, and to produce in you the quality of endurance. And I love that. Um, problems, if we can handle them appropriately, can actually produce endurance in our lives. Another way of saying it is, it will give you staying power. It, it will give you the ability to, to last, to endure, to walk through some difficult seasons. It's what we call uh, and refer to as resilience. It makes you a resilient person. It gives you the ability to bounce back. And we all need to learn how to bounce back. The reason we need to learn how to bounce back is because we all go through trials. We all have to deal with problems. So how in the world do I learn? I mean, how, how do I learn how to bounce back? I mean, it sounds real simple, you know, just bounce back. How do I learn to do that? The only way to learn how to bounce back and to operate in endurance is through experience. You can't learn how to bounce back through a seminar. You can't learn how to bounce back by reading a book. The only way you're going to learn how to bounce back is through experience. You have to be able to handle the pressure, handle the problem. It means that I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other even when I feel like giving up, even when I want to throw in the towel. See, I think our nation has had a love affair with convenience. We love convenience. In the days leading up to this moment and in the days to come, there's going to be a lot of things that are inconvenient. So what are we going to do when things are not comfortable? Life is like a marathon. 
Now, I've ne never ran a full marathon. I, I, I ran a half marathon and thought I was going to die. But <laughs> marathons is not about how fast you finish the race. It's not about speed. It's about endurance. It's not how quick did you get through. It's did you finish the race. And that's where many of you are right now. You, you don't like this season. You like convenience. You, do, you, you, you just don't like what's happening. But listen, God is testing your faith, building your faith, but he's also he's building some endurance in you. He's giving you some staying power, the ability to bounce back. The third way that God will utilize difficulties to, to produce purpose in my life is problems mature my character. They mature my character. He said in verse 4, let the process go on until you become a person of mature character and integrity with no weak spots. Wouldn't you like to have people say that about you? Not that they don't have any weaknesses, but they don't have any weak spots in their character. How do you get the kind of character that has no weak spots? You gotta let the process play out, James says. He said, you let, it, you let it continue on until you become a man or woman of character and integrity. They did a study uh, years ago in Russia. And in this study, they put uh, certain animals in easy living conditions, like easy, like convenient, comfortable, everything laid out for them. It was just easy. And they put a bunch of other animals in harsh living environments. And they studied the two groups, and they learned in this study, the scientists discovered that the animals that were placed in the comfortable living conditions, the easy conditions, actually became weaker because the conditions were so easy. They became susceptible to sickness, and they died sooner than the animals that were placed in the harsh environment. See, I believe what's true of animals is also true of our character. We have had it easy in so many ways because of convenience. But I want to tell you, God's goal is not to make things convenient and to make us comfortable. God's number one goal in your life is to make you look like Jesus to build the character of Jesus in your life, to make you think like Christ, act like Christ, live like Christ, love like Christ, to make you positive like Christ. See, God has to take us through some things to build character. Jesus is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those things. But how does God develop that in us? He develops that in us by putting us in environments that, that tempt us to do the opposite. In other words, if God's going to teach you love, he's going to put you around some unlovable people. If God's going to teach us kindness, he's, you're going to be tempted in that season to be selfish. God wants you to learn self-control. You're probably going to be tempted to lose your mind. God puts us in the exact opposite environment many times to develop something good in us. But we gotta walk through the process. In the days ahead, we're gonna be tempted 
to just hunker in a bunker. And what I mean by that is we're only going to focus on ourselves. But if we do that, we need to understand it will shrink our soul. If you begin to think about other people, those that are vulnerable, those that need help, if you will reach out, listen, if you'll reach out, your soul will grow. You'll become a better person when this crisis is over. I want to leave you with four takeaways from, from what James is telling us. And the question is, is how should I respond to difficulty? How should I respond to this crisis we're in? And it's going to be real simple because I made them all start with the letter, letter R. All right? You're going to remember these. Number one, number one, rejoice in the problem. Rejoice in the problem. We don't rejoice for the problem, but we rejoice in the problem. Why? Because God has the ability to bring good things out of a bad situation. He says in the NIV, James 1, 2, NIV, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Some of you right now thinking, are you joking? Are, are you kidding? Is this really, is this the stand-up comedy hour this weekend? You can't be serious that we rejoice in the problem. Now, before you, you judge me and turn, turn it off, listen to what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we rejoice over the problem. That's not what I'm saying. I don't want you to misunderstand me. God is not saying we need to fake it till we make it. He's not telling us that we are to deny reality. He's not telling us to put on a plastic smile. He's not telling us any of those things. He's telling us that we can rejoice in the problem. And, and, and James uses the phrase, consider it pure joy. Very important. You may want to underline the word consider there. The word consider means to deliberately make up your mind. In other words, it's your choice to rejoice. It's your choice to rejoice. David said in Psalm 34, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will rejoice. I'll ch I, my choice is to rejoice. It's a decision. It's a commitment. Over these next few weeks, you, you have an opportunity you can go through this with a bad attitude and make yourself and everybody around you miserable, or you can go through it with a good attitude and realize that I can rejoice even in the midst of this problem. Find the things that God has done for you. Be thankful for the simple things. Thank God for the family that he surrounded you with. How should I respond to difficulties? I rejoice in the problem. Number two, request. Request, ask God for wisdom. James 1 and 7, he says, If in the process any of you doesn't know how to meet any particular problem, I love this, you only have to ask God, who gives generously to all men without making them feel guilty. And you may be sure that the necessary wisdom will be given to you. It's tough sometimes in the middle of something like we're all walking through to stop and ask God for wisdom. And I would encourage you to do that because it's much more beneficial to ask God for wisdom than it is to ask why this is happening. 
the why this is happening is really not that important. The question is, God, what are you doing in me? God, what do you want me to learn from this season? God, who, who do you want me to become in this? How can I grow from this? How can I be a better man? How can I be a better woman? We're being tested, but don't worry. Trust God in this. Ask him for wisdom. How do I respond to difficulties? I rejoice in the problem. I request. I ask God for wisdom. The third thing is I relax and trust God. I got a word for everybody watching. Chill out. Stop freaking out. Stop stressing out. Let's take it out to God. Relax. Trust God in this season. Know that God is for you and not against you. We get so stressed out. We get bent out of shape. We get all in our nerves because we, we refuse to relax and just take God at his word and trust him. In James 1 and 8 in the, in the Phillips translation, he says, but you must ask in sincere faith without secret doubts. What are you asking for in this season with sincere faith? Ask God for wisdom. Ask him to show you what he's doing in you in this season. We have to remember that problems are multicolored. They, comes in, they come in all sizes, shapes, and colors. But God's grace is also, um, I, I would call it multi-featured. In other words, for every problem that you have, there is a grace available to you from God to deal with that particular problem. But you got to chill out. You've got to relax and trust God. The devil wants to defeat us with problems, but God wants to develop us through these problems. I hope you got that. Satan wants to defeat us. God wants to develop us. So understand, the problems that come into my life do not automatically make me a better person. It's all about my response to them. Sometimes problems come into our life and we don't become better people. We become bitter people. In this season, you've got to make a choice. You may have to do an attitude adjustment. Anybody ever needed an attitude adjustment? Man, I got some of those conversations growing up. Boy, you need an attitude adjustment. And so you may have to do some self-inventory about your attitude in this season. How do I respond to difficulties? I rejoice in the problem. I'm going to request and ask God for wisdom. I'm going to relax and trust God. And number four, last point, I have to remember God's promises. Remember God's promises. In verse 12, James says, Blessed is the person who perseveres under trial. I love, perseveres under trial, not perseveres inconvenience but perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. This trial, this season is not going to last. You will come out on the other side of it. I'm not predicting dates, all right? So don't email me. But I am telling you, this season will end. It won't last. You'll come out on the other side of it. 
And, and James says that when we per persevere under trial, that we receive the crown of life. I don't know what all that means, but it sounds real good to me. The crown of life. In other words, James says there is a promise connected to your ability to persevere in the face of problems. Could it be God is going to use this to do something amazing in your life? To use this to do something amazing in your family? What, what if God uses this, what we all consider a setback? What if, what if God is actually resetting everything and setting us up for the greatest move of his spirit that we've ever seen? But listen, if we can't persevere under a little bit of trial, uh, under a little bit of problem, then we're not going to be prepared for a move of God. What is God showing you in this season? It's your choice to rejoice. Slow down. Some of you are like, I am slowed down. I haven't been to work in two and a half weeks and the kids are driving me crazy. Put the kids in time out. <laughs> Put them in time out and say, God, I need wisdom. I'm just kidding about the time out. Some of y'all, chill out. Ask God for wisdom. Allow God to speak to you, to speak to your family in this season. In closing, I want you to know that a crisis doesn't just create problems, it often reveals them. This crisis, maybe it has already revealed cracks in your marriage, cracks in your relationship with God, cracks in your lifestyle. Maybe God's showing you you've been pushing too hard. Maybe even it's revealed cracks in your priorities. Allow God to speak to you about what needs change in this season. Listen, this season is revealing who you are. One of my friends posted about this season revealing things in us. And his post was really cool because he said, in this season, if the only thing you've done is look at social media and binge watched Netflix and you've not really carved out any time for God in this, then your time with God was never a time issue. It was a heart issue. And I'll be honest, I think that's where it really is. I, I don't think it's a time issue for, even if you work 90 hours a week, you can still carve out time for God. It's a choice. You can find out in this season what's in you. What's God revealing in this season in your life? Let's not curse the crisis. Let's allow God to remove what needs to be removed in the middle of the crisis. See, James did not become a follower of Jesus when Jesus was doing his ministry. James didn't become a follower until he saw his dead half-brother get up from the grave. And I want you to know, wherever you may be watching, Jesus not only died for you, but Jesus got up on the third day. We're gonna celebrate it next week. He got up defeating death, hell, and the grave. 
The Bible says that he has the keys to the kingdom. That, that he, he took back everything that the devil had stolen. And the, the scripture is very, very clear. If I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, I will be saved. So I want to speak to those that are watching right now that you are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't have to physically be in this church building to make that decision. You can do it right there on your couch, in your bed, at the kitchen table, wherever you may be watching. All you have to do is real simple. Just repeat this after me, right there where you are. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a savior, but I can't save myself. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my savior. I believe that you died for my sins, but I also believe that you rose from the grave. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. We believe that if you prayed that prayer, that you are now a child of God. We want you to take your, your next step, and it's real simple. We want you to text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to this number. Text that word to 304 396-0488 so that our team can connect with you. I hope you enjoyed the message and I hope that you will join us again next week as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ Easter weekend. We're going to do one more song during this last song. Make it a time of prayer for you and your family. Listen, if you need prayer, you can email us at prayer at bethesdachurch.tv and our team would love to come alongside you and pray with you and for you. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. God bless you. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. You can keep up with us at BethesdaChurch.tv, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And remember, you always have a home here at Bethesda. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. You can keep up with us at BethesdaChurch.tv, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And remember, you always have a home here at Bethesda. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. You can keep up with us at BethesdaChurch.tv, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And remember, you always have a home here at Bethesda.
Thanks for spending part of your day with us. You can keep up with us at BethesdaChurch.tv, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And remember, you always have a home here at Bethesda. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. You can keep up with us at BethesdaChurch.tv, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And remember, you always have a home here at Bethesda. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. You can keep up with us at BethesdaChurch.tv, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And remember, you always have a home here at Bethesda. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. You can keep up with us at BethesdaChurch.tv, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And remember, you always have a home here at Bethesda. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. You can keep up with us at BethesdaChurch.tv, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And remember, you always have a home here at Bethesda.
Thanks for spending part of your day with us. You can keep up with us at BethesdaChurch.tv, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And remember, you always have a home here at Bethesda. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. You can keep up with us at BethesdaChurch.tv, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And remember, you always have a home here at Bethesda. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. You can keep up with us at BethesdaChurch.tv, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And remember, you always have a home here at Bethesda. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. You can keep up with us at BethesdaChurch.tv, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And remember, you always have a home here at Bethesda. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. You can keep up with us at BethesdaChurch.tv, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And remember, you always have a home here at Bethesda.
Thanks for spending part of your day with us. You can keep up with us at BethesdaChurch.tv, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And remember, you always have a home here at Bethesda. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. You can keep up with us at BethesdaChurch.tv, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And remember, you always have a home here at Bethesda. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. You can keep up with us at BethesdaChurch.tv, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And remember, you always have a home here at Bethesda.